0: Hi, I'm Barry Pilling, I'm the Being Human blog editor, and you are listening to the fantastic Being Human cast.
1: Hey guys, it's new crew member Lisa here. I hope y'all had a great holiday season filled with family, friends, good times, and lots of good food. I know I did. And now we're into a new year, bringing with it lots of new Being Human goodies. The U.S. got its own version of Being Human on the Sci-Fi Channel, and Series 3 just started in the U.K., Speaking of Series 3, the folks over at the Sunbuzz Magazine were kind enough to share with us a promo photo and some quotes with the cast about the new season, so be sure to go over to www.beinghumancast.com and check those out if you haven't already. Some pretty exciting stuff. Anyway... Susie and I will be taking some time in some upcoming episodes to discuss our thoughts on the new U.S. version, and we'll be getting back together with Andy pretty soon to finish our discussions on the U.K. second series. In the meantime, we want to continue bringing you chapters of Kinky Claus's awesome fanfic, and we'll be dropping one of those into the feed every other week now. But before we get into this week's chapter, here's a promo for one of my favorite podcast fiction series, The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk, by the awesome Mike Bartlett. I can't say enough good things about this series. It's one of the first podcast fiction projects I ever listened to, and it continues to be one of my favorites. The Salmon and Dusk stories mix together a little sci-fi, a little mystery, and a lot of dry humor, and there's something that I think any Being Human fan would most certainly enjoy. Take a listen.
0: What you have to understand, Miller, is that anything's possible, even the worst things. In the old days, some things were real and some weren't. But the whole world has changed and you never noticed. There used to be order, now it's a free-for-all. All All those things that should never have existed are creeping their way out into the world. Luckily, you found yourself the one detective in London who deals with this sort of thing. They also do a very nice line in Cheating Husbands. He glanced up at Joe. That's probably not as much use to you. The terrible business of salmon and dusk. Detectives. Thieves. Time travellers Reasonable rates A series of podcasted stories by Mike Bartlett featuring London's strangest and least trustworthy detectives In their time travelling London cab they scrape together a living finding things that never existed and solving crimes that never happened Mostly they get themselves in trouble and when there's trouble for salmon and dusk it's the strangest sort of trouble London has ever seen For more details, go to MikeBartlett.com.
1: And now, Chapter 4 of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic, Aftermath, If Nothing Changes. Chapter 4. It felt like wading through treacle trying to wake up. Not that he'd ever tried wading through treacle, of course. That would be just... disgusting. Disgusting. George drew in a deep breath and sighed, opening his eyes, just a crack. A sea of gray swam in front of his eyes and slowly formed into a seriously canted wall and floor. His stomach ached a little, much as it did every month after the wolf, but it all but screwed itself up into a tight ball when a foot landed in his field of vision. He knew who was here already. Her scent filled his nostrils and muddled the few thoughts that were swimming in his head right now. A quick glance upward revealed Nina standing and looking down at him. He sat up quickly and smoothly, curling his legs against his chest before he realized something was different. He raised a hand, then looked down at the rest of him and found himself already clothed. It didn't take a lot of working out what had happened, but his initial bemused expression made Nina smile. "'You seemed a bit cold,' she said, crouching in front of him. "'So I got you dressed.' "'George met Nina's gaze sadly. "'Thanks.' "'There was more than just a thank you in that one word. "'Both of them knew it. "'The weight of knowledge lingered between them. "'Memories of the previous evening came back piecemeal. "'The plan went awry. "'A carefully planned diversion and covering of tracks "'somehow failed all the same. "'And it was George who broke the contact first, "'looking away at the floor. "'He swallowed audibly and licked his lips.' Nina hesitated in reaching out a hand to touch his cheek and make him look at her. As it was, she didn't get that chance. The door was wrenched open. George was on his feet and in front of Nina before she could turn around. Mitchell? George sounded alarmed. No one could understand this, but George was aware of everything. He could sense the urgency in Mitchell, despite the vampire being as calm and unruffled as normal. It's all right. The door was just a bit stiff, but we should get you home he gave george a hard look like now mitchell's gaze slowly strayed to the shredded clothes at the far side of the room and a slight frown creased his brow he crossed the room in four long strides and gathered them up shaking out the dust left by Herrick's demise he screwed them together in a tight ball though more than a half dozen shredded strands hung down Subtly, he watched George's reaction as he passed the young werewolf, and was disheartened to see nothing but a mild curiosity. "'We need to dispose of these. We'll burn them in the garden later.' The four of them then left the dungeon as fast as they could, closing the door behind them. The car park at this time in the morning was empty. It was a little early for discharged patients to be collected, a little after the change of shift. Idly— Nina wondered what her bosses would do to her for missing a large chunk of her shift without any excuse or so much as a request for a replacement. She walked beside her boyfriend, but kept a distance, a distance which did not go unnoticed by any of the supernaturals. Annie put a hand on George's shoulder and squeezed gently, eliciting a small, sad smile from her friend before she moved forward alongside Mitchell and pulling her light gray cardigan around her. Mitchell hunted through his pockets for the car keys. He was obviously trying to hurry and only succeeding in slowing himself down, as was always the way. Mitchell, can we... drop Nina off home first? George asked as they headed for the car. Something was definitely wrong. Every fiber in him knew it. Mitchell could hide a lot of things, but not right now. Not from George's intensely acute senses. Sure, that's not a problem, Mitchell acquiesced easily, distractedly as he slid on his sunglasses and looked around. "'Oh, no, you don't!' Nina protested. Having followed along, she stopped George with a firm hand on his arm. She turned him around to face her, ignoring the questioning glance from Annie, who had stopped to look. Nina was wagging her finger in front of George's face. "'You have explaining to do, and I'm not going home until you tell me everything.' The fire was in her belly, and her cheeks flushed with a touch of anger. "'Do you understand me, George?' She stopped and put her hands on her hips, daring him to defy her. Annie covered her mouth to stifle a smile. The stunned look on George's face, which was clearly laced with a great deal of pride in his girlfriend's strength, and, combined with the small, compliant nod, was actually very sweet. Yes, he agreed softly. With the right answer given, Nina stalked away toward the car, the keys to which Mitchell has finally retrieved and opened up. He bundled the clothes he carried into the back as he pushed the seat forward. Nina climbed in immediately, pushing the clothes into the footwell. She wasn't going to be left behind. Annie waited for George to catch up. He leaned over in a conspirator's whisper. I think I'm in trouble, he said worriedly. She'll be fine. You both will. The poltergeist reassured him in a similar whisper, hoping with all her heart that she was right. From the upstairs window, Pratchett and a second vampire, Marco, watched the motley crew load into the car and disappear off, out of the hospital gate. A third figure, who was bent over the bed, looked up, frowning and pursing her blood-smeared lips as the heart monitor on a young comatose man in the bed began to whine. She reached around and unplugged the alarm. Unconcerned, she then continued to feed noisily. "'What do you think?' Marco asked deferentially, licking blood from his own lips." Holding up Herrick's jacket, Pratchett again examined the torn sleeve and tail of the Undertaker's jacket. I think Mitchell isn't telling us the truth. Pratchett growled. On the Out of the Coffin podcast, we discuss vampires in fiction, folklore, pop culture, subculture, and the vampires who live next door. We also interview authors and fellow podcasters within the genre. Come out. Come out, wherever you are, and listen today.
0: www.outofthecoffin.com
1: And that's our fanfic episode this week. Like I mentioned earlier, we'll be putting out a fanfic episode every other week now, so watch out for Chapter 5 in two weeks. In the meantime, take care, and I hope you're enjoying the new series of Being Human, whether it's the U.S. version or the new U.K. season. As always, if you have any comments or questions for us, please feel free to leave a comment on the site or email us at feedback at beinghumancast.com. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about whichever version or season you're watching right now. Have a good one.
0: We'll see you later.
1: Okay. I'll I'll see you later, guys.
0: Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website www.beinghumancast.com Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later.